Howdy, y'all. You know that this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Cosmetic. Cosmetic CBD-infused skincare products help ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis by using their proprietary topical CBD formulas. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with their patented CBD formula, which naturally fights inflammation in achy muscles and joints. Rub it deep into any achy muscle and it starts working within seconds. Each bottle of Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with 400 milligrams of their proprietary CBD solution, and you can get 20% off of your entire cosmetic order by using promo code SOS. 20. That's SOS20 at checkout. Go to cosmedicated.com. That's C A U S E medicated.com. Cosmetic. Be kind to your skin. All right, let's do the podcast. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, I've got Ty Murray on the show today. You may have heard of Ty's band, Temp Job. They've been making some racket here in the last few months. Uh, Ty's stuff's crazy good, man. It's funky. It's the good stuff. Uh, She played a little something for us at the end of the episode, so hang around. You can hear some of that. Uh, Some people have been reaching out, uh, asking about uh, Colombia, South America. I am back, and I did not record a podcast when I was down there. Even though you guys suggested that I did, I'm sorry. I was busy filming on a boat, and we uh, we filmed an amazing story while we were down there in Colombia, and our uh, film will be out in a few months. So come on over to the Patreon community if you want to check it out uh, a little bit early. See some snippets and stills from that trip. Uh, Patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. All right, so my chat with Ty. Here we go. It was pretty great. It was it, it was out there. I loved it. It was it was awesome that she came by, and I'm I'm glad that we got to uh, catch up on her new musical ventures and some past ones too. You guys want to hear it? I think you're gonna like it. Here we go. Here's me and Ty Murray. We're doing the pop count. Let's do it. Let's do it. It took so long. I know. God. But hey, we're here now. <laughs> we're here now. Ty, how are you? Man, I have no complaints. Yeah? Yeah. Has the last year been tough on you? So many. It feels like three years wrapped in one. I know. But not too tough. Like, I'm still here. So. Well, you guys did one of the first, like, Temp Job did one of the first shows back. The um the thing that Rusty Monster Mash. Did. Yeah, the Monster Second Mash. Second Bell Fest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were right there on the card. It was Cruz Contreras and it was Tim Job, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was that? Fun. We didn't know what to expect again, too. Like you said, like that was one of the first live events. Um odd because like me and Mia, that's the other um front woman in, in Tim Job, we're so used to like jumping in the crowd. <laughs> and like there's no way, you know, like we'd be jumping into the grass. So that was like, you know, we had to like kind of change our our set. But we were just happy to be out there. It was cool because it was Halloween, so people were dressed up. Yeah. So that was fun. Um there was like some kids getting down the whole time, a couple really? Spider Mans, you know, rocking out. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um also, everyone else on, on the lineup was amazing, too. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a solid card. It was. What was the uh, 
what was the what was life like before that wondering if it was going to come back or did you did you wonder if you were ever going to play shows again so before covid i was working for a booking company crossover touring shout out to virginia chris uh curtis adrian and the whole um are they in nashville they are now crossover touring is now um but um virginia um is who that, that was my boss and she yeah. has I believe reopened her her old agency Prater Day, so they're getting they're trying to um, you know keep their artists working and mm. touring. So she's still doing stuff in Knoxville. Cool. Yeah, so that was I mean that was weird. Like our whole office was let go. I had been there for like two um, two years. Everyone else had been there forever. Like you know, or working together for over like six years. So so you were working in the music industry before COVID hit. Precisely. And then it was like, what everything. am I doing? What's yeah. going on? One of the hardest hit industries by COVID. Absolutely. For sure. Hospitality and live music. Absolutely. And you were working at a booking agency? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was an What'd agent assistant. Um, so we booked tours. Um, we were like not boutique, a little bit bigger than boutique or maybe boutique. There was about um, just a little bit under 100 artists ranging from like bluegrass um, to New Orleans, brass bands, um, we had a couple of soul artists on there, yeah. lots of um, like indie, indie artists. Um, but it was like I, I learned so much. I learned every day. I was doing agent assisting. I started out interning for the company. Mm-hmm. Then I did tour promotions, which I really enjoyed. Um, Who were I, some of the bands you worked with? Um, in Bluegrass, Americana, Jam Band World, um, we had the Del McCurry Band, the McCurry Brothers. Um, the Traveling McCurries. The Traveling McCurries. Yeah. We had Billy Strings, which is amazing. He's he was blowing up when I was working there. He's still blowing up. I'm yeah. glad to see he's he's still he's on this with crossover. Kind of, he's this trajectory. Absolutely, right here. That absolutely boy is blowing up, man. Absolutely, um, Rebirth Brass Band. Yeah. Um, who else? Were Victor li- Wooten, I love which Victor is amazing. Yeah. So so me and Chris, uh, which is my coworker. We both play bass, and so we got to go to Victor. We didn't get to go for the whole week, but we got to go to Victor Wooten's bass camp. Really? For like a couple of days. So I heard that Victor Wooten like does this thing with his hand on the bass. He does this, and he just like it's it's up and down. He can hit it both both ways. You want to know? We I didn't actually hear him play. Like he was just facilitating the entire time. But his brothers, his brothers were leading yeah. a lot of the Future Man. Future Man. Um, and which one was that? The one that wore the pirate hat? Maybe. Am I the future man? Okay. Yeah. Uh, fuck. One of them was Ray. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but they were all cool. It was like a, a really cool learning learning experience. And like he's big on not only music but also like nature and spirituality. So like most of the camp is, of course, like music, but it's, it's called music and nature. So I I enjoyed it for that aspect alone. Like he was big on. Um, on nature and connecting with nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. that dude is. Uh, you you look at the you look at the industry and you look at like, um, new age jazz, Bela Fleck world. Victor Wooten is a god. He's a god. absolutely, especially in, in bass. Yeah. Hell yeah. Is that is that how you started out in the music business? Was playing bass. So no, I actually started out um, at ninety point three The Rock. No way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I was a communications major, and there was a, a class where you had to either work or intern with the Daily Beacon, ninety point three The Rock, or the Volunteer Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just chose The Rock 
Um, and Benny's amazing. And it Benny was like, Smith. yes, Benny Smith. Shout out to Benny. Shout out to the whole crew. Um, like the first, my first week there, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. So like after I was a student DJ, um, there was a position opened up to co-host Soul Power. Um, mm. And then uh, that was led by Ellen, who soon moved to California. So then there was like a position open to just co-host or, or host Soul Power on Sundays from six to eight. And Is that it's a been soul like, show? Yeah. It's been like four years. I've been there since like 2017. You're still still doing shows Still there? doing it. Still doing it. When is it? Sundays? Sundays, 6 to 8. Tune in. You won't, <laughs> you won't be disappointed. That's awesome. Yeah. Two hours of funk and feel good. And, and of course, so new school, old school. What kind of stuff do you guys play? Right now, I've been spending a lot of um, Leon Bridges. Um, of course, always James Brown, Father Funk. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm I'm partial to you know I'm partial to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Stevie Wonder, um, new artists like Cleo Soul, of course the late and great Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Yeah. Charles Bradley, a little bit of everything. Yeah. I watched some Temp Job stuff tonight. Okay. That and? stuff is funky. <laughs> it's funky. Yeah. It's like it's it's almost. I, I put it. Do you know Galactic? Yes. Do you know that group? Yes. It's it's like Galactic meets Blondie, you know. Oh, like that's a, I always love hearing what people like relate to it as because yeah. like I mean we don't. It's just a big old stew of a lot of stuff. Really, a lot of different stuff. Yeah. When did you get? When did you start that group? Tim okay. Job. So backstory: me and the other uh, front woman. Her name is Mia. We were in a three piece band when I first started learning bass, which is like in 2017. Um, and have you heard of ESG? From mm. New York, I don't know. they're I don't like old school um, '80s, '90s um, punk band, um, black women, all black women. So we we were just very basic, bare bones. I played bass. We had a, our friend Devin on drums, and Mia um, was doing what she did on the microphone. And we played a show at the Birdhouse with oh, what was the band's name? I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot. I forgot what the band's <laughs> name is. They're no longer a band anymore. Um, but we played. We I think we opened for them. Uh, and Chris Rusk was there. And he came up to us after the show and was like, whoa, you guys were crazy. You guys were like, ESG. Do you want to be in a band? <laughs> and I looked at Mia and I was like, I don't know what this little short white man is. I don't know. Should we trust him? Should we trust him? And then finally I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's just go. Let's see what it's like. And after like our first jam session, um, it was me, Mia, Chris on bass, um, Colin on drums, and then Dexter on guitar. It was just like a five piece. Um, it was amazing. And it was just like having a space, especially for where like me and Mia came from the hip hop kind mm -hmm. of world. Um, just having a space with like live instruments and people being like, hey, do do what the fuck you want to, you know, play what the fuck you want to say what you want to. It was, it was liberating in a sense, but also yeah. just cool to have people around that were also amazing musicians in general. So after our first meeting, uh, Chris had a couple of friends, one being Sam, uh, Sam Stratton, um, and Sharice, uh, Miss Punk and star, um, <laughs> who were like, we want to be in the cool band too. So they joined in on saxophone. And then we had Brandon Biondo come in, on keyboards so then we became an eight piece very short very in like a very short span so i don't think any of us had a genre in mind right or any like nothing's too serious about us like you can definitely tell like we just like to play music we like to 
to punk around, to funk around. Um, and I think we're, we're all influenced by different types of music. But I think definitely like rhythm heavy, rhythm intensive, yeah. like like funk, which I mean, you know, is also a facet of rock and roll um, and also punk music. Mm-hmm. So it just snow. It, it it was a really fast snowball. Every, you just started picking up members as it went on. Precisely, and our our first show was at um, the Pilot Light in 2018. That that venue, that room. Ah, I don't know what it is about that room. It's so special. It is, it is special. so special. How'd your first show go? It was amazing. Really, we were just sweaty. Like like we were like at capacity. Everybody's sweating. Um, and then and I, the stage after the first is small show, too. So you guys had? Did you have eight people at that eight point? Eight people on that little on the stage. stage. Yeah, well, we like, made it work. It's we like made... eight people on a piece of plywood. <laughs> Literally, but the sound is so good. Yes, it's probably, like it's like one of my favorite venues. I think, of course, because you know our our friends and our our family like you know come and and frequent it. Yeah, are used to that. Like that's that's why. Yeah. Like we're coming out of a whole pandemic. Um, but no, Pilot's great. Shout out to Jason. So all this has happened since the pandemic started, the band starting, you moving here, all that. Are you working here? I'm working here. So, again, like I said, before the pandemic, I was doing booking and then there was no live music. I was unemployed for a very long time, um, but I started volunteering with a couple of community organizations. Which ones? Um so, like, my background's in public relations and communication. So, like, you know, those are things that I'm just privy to doing. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to just reach out and see if anyone just needs help because I'm, you know, I'm kind of doing nothing else. Um, and so the first organization I worked with was Black Mama's Bailout, um, which is uh, an action just to um, combat pretrial detention and the, the cash bail system. What's that? Um, so, like, and this is kind of new to me, but also, you know, it also played a part in my upbringing. But... A lot of people, when they are convicted um, and in jail, especially black women or women in general, um, their bail is set to amounts that they're not able to pay. But if they were able to pay, they'd be free. So mm. basically, they're only staying, you know, locked in cages or like locked in prison or jail because they don't have enough money to get out. So what Black Mama's Bailout does is just raise funds to bail out the mothers who should be free, you know, gotcha. but are only waiting to be free to be freed until they have the money to get them out, um, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, this just ongoing system. Um, System's fucked up, man. It is. It is. It is. But I mean. Was it a nonprofit? It's not. It's like a community action. So like a okay. community based, community led um, initiative. Um, very grassroots. Okay. Yeah. That's sweet. It is. It is. So after volunteering with them. We had a collaboration on an event and a fundraiser with The Bottom, um, which is a new community space started in, in 2020 of last year. Uh, the founder's name is Nkeshi Elamine, who's now my boss. Um, so we did a fish fry, a first Friday fish fry to raise funds for the bailout. That's a lot of alliteration right it there. It is. <laughs> Maggie Lee's first Friday fish fry. Y'all don't miss it every first Friday at The Bottom. Um, and it's put on by Get Your Po' Boys, um, which are like a couple from Louisiana who do cool. Louisiana style po' boys and fish challenges. Um, so we did one of those and I had one conversation with Nkeshi about what she's trying to do and what she's trying to bring to Knoxville and what she's trying to build and rebuild and reclaim for which the black, what? black community, which is community. Um, it's black space, um, ownership of, 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 of land, and ownership of space, um, kind of reclaiming uh, what's been lost and what's been kind of destroyed and turned down since urban renewal and, mm. and urban re- removal, which is like government sanctioned destruction of urban 
or just black communities. And that, I mean, a lot of, you know, not just Knoxville, like a lot of places in the U.S., you know, started doing that in the 50s and 60s. And it was, I mean, really devastating to a lot of black communities. It's like literally removing, you know, a whole community, a whole culture, churches, buildings, um, club, clubs, stores, homes um, to in order to what? factories. Uh, so it was just a runoff street. So I, and sometimes, yes, like buildings and infrastructures are just beautifications. Yeah. Um, so or like a lot of things, push gentrification. Push yeah. Out a and bit. they were pushed east. And yeah. so the bottom was named after the neighborhood that was there before a re- renewal. It which was is called like, the bottom? It was called the bottom. The neighborhood was? The neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Really? Because mm-hmm. it used to flood, like the first creek mm. used to flood down mm. there. So it was like, oh, the bottom. Yeah. Gotcha. And a, a lot of like, you know, Detroit has a bottom. A lot of different um, cities and places have the have a bottom, which is like the black neighborhood, which was, I mean, deemed as like, you know, um, probably not in the most pleasant light, but like many things, I think black folks and black communities are really, very resilient. Uh, and you know, we, we take, we take a lot of, a lot of the, the shit that was meant to harm us and we flip it yeah. and turn it into, into stuff, which is why I'm, I'm happy to, to be working with the bottom now. It's beautiful. I'm happy to be there. Are you from Nashville? Close. I'm from Shelbyville, which okay. is a very small town, about an hour south um, of On Nashville. Yeah, I'm, I'm near Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Okay. Most people know where that is. What county is it? Bedford. Bedford County. Bedford County. Okay. One county over from Manchester and Bonnaroo. Gotcha. So like I'm like a 20 minute drive gotcha. from there. Yeah, Shelbyville's very. It's we're I consider us rural. Like yeah. you know, the biggest store we have is Walmart. If you need anything else, <laughs> you go to the next town or or you go to Nashville. But I spent a lot of time in Nashville. I went to church in Nashville. Yeah. Had a family in Nashville. Gotcha. Yeah. What what was it like? Uh, what was it like there? What was the makeup like? Uh, Were you the only black girl there? Was there so definitely not it, a, a huge black population? Yeah, not not at all. But I will say, like you know, when I went to school, when I went to the store, I was absolutely used to navigating white dominated spaces. Like that's just yeah. what I grew up in. But when I came to like home life, family life, or church life, it was I was definitely immersed in in black culture. You know, in in those safe spaces, and that's what. You know, I think the church has become or like, you know, families become um, and are so important to a lot of communities because it is safe. You know, it is safety. It is a net that you fall on when the outside world isn't as welcoming to you. Mm. Or a lot of times, you know, you have your family there to like fall back on. Um, So when I came to Knoxville, um, I came in 2013 to go to UT on campus. That was like kind of the largest amount of black folks my age that I had been around. And I was like growing up in Middle Tennessee in a rural area. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot. Of black folks around, not right? a lot. Not a lot. No, not at all. Feel but good? then, yeah, feel good to come, come it did. here and like feel like you're in a bigger, kind of a bigger pond a little bit. It did. It did. And also just the culture in Nashville. So, I mean, the culture in Knoxville. So like when I came, I think Knoxville was the scruffy city. And now, you know, Knoxville's like the maker city, which I mean, rightfully so. Um, but that's what I enjoy about it. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of rough around the edges. You, you have your pockets. It's not too polished, not too pretentious, which yeah. is like things that I don't really gravitate towards. Um, and it's, you know, I love the mountains. I love being in Appalachia. Um, and where I'm from, it's just one county over from like Appalachia, what's considered Appalachia. So yeah, you're kind of like in between both, right? Two. Like you could go this way and be in this big exactly. metropolitan city like Nashville, mm-hmm. or go this way and be in the middle of Im- impoverished. Literally, areas. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, I mean, in you know, Knoxville's beautiful. Like I, I, at least in my eyes, 
You like it here? You get to stay here? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah. actually planning to move to Atlanta um, in the summer of last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Tough COVID time. happened. Yeah, COVID happened. I was like, I don't know if the you know right now is the right time to move. Well, you're a music industry person, so I mean, this Atlanta has got it going on. Precisely, precisely. A lot of opportunities, a lot of culture, um, a lot of different um, opportunities, especially for arts and entertainment. Yeah. Um, but I found like you know while I've stayed in Knoxville, like a lot of, and that's why I like it here. You know, UT has the whole. Um, saying of Vols have Vols, but I think Knoxville as a community in some sorts, it adopts that too. You know, mm. like if people know what you're trying to do, they're down to help you, yeah. you know, or connect you with somebody that can help you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you found your whole band here, right? I did. I did. Is it going to be hard to leave them if you have to go? Absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, we have two members that don't live in Tennessee anymore. Mm. So um, Dexter, our guitarist, is in North Carolina. Okay. And then Mia just moved to New York. Okay. So <laughs> things are going to be a little bit trickier. But, I mean, that's the thing about us. Like, when we need to come together, we come together. But yeah. other times, it's like herding cats. Yeah. Like, I think that's why we don't have any music <laughs> yet. But, I mean, even last year, like last January and February, we were in the studio, like, recording. And then COVID hit. And we were like, okay, there's no way eight of us can be in this one tiny yeah. room yeah. doing this you anymore yeah thing. we did we did yeah what was that uh what was that monster mash like i mean to be the first kind of show because it felt like it was the first show back you and know no, i think it was i think yeah. it was and it and it and it was what six months i mean it was it was halloween so it halloween was october seven months ago which was very much that's crazy the, seven months yeah and it was in the middle of a huge bump of of covid it was it was a, it was a tough it was a tough time for the for the virus. Absolutely. Uh, but there was an outdoor drive-in concert that was just kind of like, please let us do something. And like shout out to second the second bell folks because I think yeah. they worked Rusty's really the hard. Man. Absolutely worked really hard to put that on and, and to keep folks safe. Mm-hmm. I think they did a, a, they a phenomenal safe? job. It, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How'd and it looked like the crowd was having fun. Like everyone. They had to be. Yeah, they, they were. They were. Yeah, they, they were, were. They were starved. <laughs> they were. Yeah. What what was it like? What was it like performing for uh, a crowd for the first time in a you know in a long time and in in an era where it felt like you kind of it kind of felt like weird. It right? did. It felt weird it did. to do it. Absolutely. So I think in in one sense it was refreshing because it gave us an excuse to like get back together and and work yeah. on on new songs. So that week we were pumped because we had been you know meeting more than we had over the past basically you know last almost a year. Um, and I think, I mean, just seeing the joy of the crowd, but also it's Halloween. It's, it's like, you know, that's already a festive season. People are dressed up. Um, they're kind of, and and to me, shows are like escapism. You know, when I go to a show, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a zone, I'm in a bubble, I'm in a whole nother atmosphere. So I think folks were just happy to have an atmosphere to be in. Um, felt like they missed it. I'm sure. Absolutely. You guys did too. We did. No, we did. I think. We needed it and wanted it as much as anyone who attended did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So growing up in Shelbyville, you got brothers and sisters? So yes and no. So I was raised by my aunt. Um, Yes. And so on my mom and my dad's side, my mom has two 
um, children that are my half sisters. Okay. And my dad has a son that's my half brother. Okay. Um, and then my aunt, who I was raised with, um, is a baby boomer. So she has children. She was born in 52. She has children who were like 10 or 15 years kind of older than me. So I felt like an only child. I was basically raised as an you only were child. younger than all your Absolutely. And, and mm. by the time I lived with her, they were kind of like high school or at the age where they were moving out. And they're your cousins? Cousins. Okay. Yeah. But in a, in a sense, they were kind of like siblings because, yeah, you know, they are in the same house. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For a little bit. But for the most part, I consider myself an only child. Really? Yeah. But you kind of had some older older folks to look I at. I did. I did. Okay. What were you into? Well, what was growing up like? Growing Shelbyville? up. Shelbyville. Uh, I was an artsy kid. I definitely loved painting. I loved drawing. Um, I did band. I played clarinet <laughs> for a couple of years. That's an interesting instrument. It is. It is. It's pretty cool. It, I mean, like I wish I kept up with flute, it. Half flute, half saxophone, like woodwind right there Exactly. In the exactly. I, I mean, I wish I kept up with it. I wish I still knew how to play. Um, I did that for a couple of years, and I was a thespian. Nice. For uh, for a while, what you do? What kind of plays did you do? So we did a lot of children's children's fairy tales, like in high school and all that. In high school, and middle school, okay. we did a production of Annie, uh, some Snow White, um, alternative versions. Um, Were you we did, always the lead? No, no, no. <laughs> like the tree. I was like the, the supporting. The so we did Snow White. I was the mirror, right? And so when okay. I got cast as the mirror, I was like. This this sucks. I'm the mirror, but then like the theater director sat me down and she was like, "Listen, you're comic relief, okay? When you pop out, the the crowd is ready for mm-hmm. you." And so they made me like this PVC pipe, like rolling. It looked kind of like a, a wardrobe rack, a short wardrobe rack. Yeah. They they stream streamers, so I would just step out of it like a mirror, and you know, like step back into it. But it was fun. I got like spray painted silver. So that was that was pretty cool, but no, I did a lot of supporting roles. I was a good supporter. There you go. Yeah, the alley oop. I'm a I'm a supporting guy. Yeah, you know, you, know, supporting you gotta role. know your lane. Everybody sometimes needs support staff. Precisely. And not Precisely. everybody can be the leading man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I did some some theater. Um, I was big into Decca. I don't know if y'all had Decca at your yeah, at your that, schools. Is that uh, marketing? It's a marketing club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, What's that like? Basically, it's like teaching high schoolers playing. how to be mar- marketers through or? role playing. So, like you, you do these assessments based on like real world scenarios of like what would you do in the situation, um, and then if you do good enough on your tests, basically you get to go to your state and like well, first you're like your regional conferences and then your state conferences, and if you do well there, you can go to international conferences. And so, my senior year. I don't know. I just lucked myself into an international spot. So like we got to go to California and and do like the international DECA competition. That's and it was so cool. fun. It was so fun. Yeah. So you're so you're in high school and you're getting to travel the world all of a sudden. Basically. And, and did, Basically. Had you done any traveling before that or was that like Um, so my the first thing. My aunt was just a busy woman, so like, you know, we were we, we didn't stay home a lot. You know, I say, like, we we rested our head in Chevyville. We were definitely all over. So, I mean, I was used to going to, like, Memphis a lot as a child. I was uh, How far I, away was that? Memphis was, like, six hours from okay. Middle Tennessee. Damn. That's as far yeah. away as it is from here. Yeah. It's a long way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's, like, another state. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, we used to go to, like, we went to Arkansas um, for, like, some funerals. Um 
we went to but going to California to, was like the next level, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All like for the school program you were doing. And I, I got to go for free. So I like I did a fundraiser. This was before like crowdfunding was huge. Like this was like 2012 or before it was huge where, where I was from. So like I just did a Facebook, you know, a Facebook post. Um, and I was like, hey, I'm trying to get to this um, international conference. You Can you guys sponsors? help me? Yeah, I did. And like I raised more. I raised more than enough money for my airfare and for my hotel. It's awesome. Um, it was. Yeah, we went to it was based in Anaheim. Um, and then, um, we got to go to like downtown LA. We got to go to Venice beach, see a little bit. We got to walk like Hollywood Boulevard. We tried to find the Hollywood sign, but we got lost, but getting lost was also like the adventure. Cause like the homes there, the architecture was just amazing. So we were just like riding around the hills. Next time you need to find the Hollywood sign, let me know and I'll and I'll give you my old address okay. because I lived on Gower, which was the street that like you walked out. Literally? You walked, yeah, you walked wow. up to my front door and you looked up and you saw the Hollywood sign just at the end of our street. It was framed wow. by all what the What were trees. you doing there? Uh acting. All right. Okay. Yeah, I did the I did the the acting thing after after high school and in college and all that. Right, Went out there man. get the get the game up. Fellow okay. <laughs> Fest beans in the house. I enjoyed living in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tough place to live, no doubt. But, I mean, you're right there. Absolutely. It's the it's the pulse, right? Did you ever go to Knott's Berry Farms? No. Like the roller coaster park? Okay. No. That was up to five a little bit. Uh, but that was the place to go if you were trying to have a good time. Is it a Six Flags thing? I don't know. It's kind of like that, It was though, just right? like legitimately all the roller coasters. Yeah. I'm it's a roller like a coaster Six fan, Flags. yeah. Really? Yeah. Which favorite roller coaster you've ever been on? It had to have been one at Knott's Berry Farms. Really? Like they just—I mean, had too many options. That's all they had. They out, that's all they really had was just roller coasters. We went to—I uh, remember when I was a kid. We went to uh, what was it called in Tampa? The, uh, the the I forget what it was called, but we went on this roller coaster called the Kumba, and it was just opened. It's brand new, and I rode on that thing. I was scared to death. You christened it. Absolutely scared. Yeah. Oh yeah, christened it. It it had been open for a couple days. Scared me to death. You're not Can't, a roller coaster person. Can't uh, do it. Okay. All Can't right. do it. Anymore. Not for I, everybody. I don't know. I hadn't been on one in a while. You're like a Ferris wheel go, man. Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> What's your level of? I'm like, more of a Ferris wheel. Okay. Guy. Okay. Yeah, hey, hey, Ferris wheels are nice. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't been uh, to a theme park in a while. Dollywood's open now. Dollywood is open. Have you been there? I haven't been since like. 2010 but you have been before. yeah i've been yeah oh, before you moved here absolutely yeah okay. I mean, um i used to come like every summer with my cousin nice we would we would come up stay hadn't been in a minute i'll tell you what dolly's dolly's having a moment right now isn't she she is Shout Ever, out to Dolly. Every, everybody's loving some dolly right now i didn't know that about like i mean growing up like she was from east tennessee mm-hmm. like so like even in knoxville like People are dolly crazy. I'm here yeah. for it. I'm here for it. Like, she's an totally. amazing woman. Yeah. Um, amazing legacy that she has too. Mm. I feel like she does a lot to like, or she, tr- or um, she invests her money in the community. It seems like in, in some seems sense. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to admit one of the reasons that I love her so much is because half the books I own. From her reading. Are from, from Imagination Library. library yeah. You know? And that's crazy to think like, you know, you'd think I'd go buy books for my kids with, mm-hmm. because I, you know, care about literacy and <laughs> care about my kids learning. Education. And all that. Yeah. Yes. And all that. But honestly, 
Why? Half the Dolly's books. giving you, yeah, right. Dolly's giving me books, and and it's like my kids love them. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what she's done. And then, you know, I, 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 I wonder if, like a, she is definitely a PR mastermind. There's no doubt about it. I so I know that that I, that the appreciation I have for her is real. But I wonder how much of it is curated too. Like I wonder how much, like the whole uh, vaccine thing. Like she got the she got the you need it because all you right, and right. she said I I'm I'm getting a, a dose of my own medicine because she donated a million dollars to it. Right? <laughs> no, that's brilliant marketing, brilliant it's advertising. Brilliant. Yeah, and like I I graduated from the school of like communication, so I mean just studying communication and like information science. It's a science. You know, you kind of know how people, you you learn how people think and you learn how to like give them messages to make them or not make them do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. It's science. And and so with, with Dolly, she's obviously, you know, one of the most prolific country recording artists. (laughs) She is. Ever. The voice of an angel, honestly. Yes. And the heart of an angel. Heart of an angel. Too. But I wonder how much of that heart of an angel thing is curated so, and and i'm not trying to disparage dolly I know, that's a great see, way to get your podcast see? canceled right there and you never know i know she's brilliant until she's you a, know she's like a taylor swift in that way she is taylor swift better like dolly's dolly's up here taylor's like i know but taylor swift has a wonderful marketing mind she does also Absolutely. i think that's your next dolly Right there. Taylor Swift? Yeah, uh. I think so. I don't, I, you know, music aside, I think Taylor Swift. Oh, in terms of marketing, absolutely. Uh, in absolutely. terms of marketing yourself and getting getting the image out there and and always doing the right thing. Watch it's, out. Yeah, it is. 50 but years, I, I bet like you see Taylor Swift out in there. In an alternate world, Molly Cyrus is like the sit in Dolly. I mean, and, and they're also like pretty, like, you know, pretty tight too. Are they friends? Like, I think. Dolly was like her god, a godmother of really? sorts. Yeah, I'm a big Miley Cyrus fans fan. So I fell BT off. Dubs. <laughs> I fell off the Molly train for a minute there. Yeah. Um, but these new songs and like her rock and roll edge. I mean, she, she's always had like an edge to her. Yeah. But like, um, did she do like a Blondie? Uh, yeah. Cover. Yeah. Part of. And, uh, and then um, she and then half her album sounds like a Blondie album. It does, too, and I'm not know? I'm not mad at it. I'm not either. Not at it's all. It's good. Absolutely. Yeah. She's her voice legit. is really nice too. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. And and she's had some issues with her voice too, like her her larynx and all that. Like she's had some had to have some work done because. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, alcohol, smoking, yeah, all that's kind of effed her up a little bit. Yeah. But she's she's gotten back at it, and she's she sounds te- so good. She does. She sounds great, and also not mad if she's a little bit of a. Uh, um, a role model for my daughters now because she's like got her shit together she and does. she's kind of she's kind of getting it all put, put and she's opinionated in. and she's not afraid to share that and I think that's you know like or what I hope the new like the new generation like you know say what's on your mind or, or mm. speak it but also be open to listen yeah it's weird that her dad was so famous but, but okay, for one wasn't song, he technically a, a one-hit wonder? Kind of. Yeah, but, he was. But, it, but it's it's almost like MC Hammer was a one-hit wonder. Absolutely. You know? it's he's like, in the culture. Like, he's ingrained yeah. in culture. Same with Billy Ray. Exactly. And with so, the Hannah Montana, like, mm-hmm. for me, 
She has a millennial. Girl, like Hannah Montana was the shit. Growing up, was yeah, that on the growing TV? Up, absolutely. Really? See, I was a little bit past that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see yeah. it when I was growing up. I'm a millennial too, but like older. Mm-hmm. I'm older at the, like the cusp. Yeah, you're almost Gen Z. Almost, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I was raised by a baby boomer, so it's like you know, my parents are a lot older than most. So I definitely, you know, I relate to a lot of like, you know, people who are also raised by baby boomers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Miley is something else though. I'm I'm with you though. I can see the I can see the dolly. No, her, her trajectory, too. yeah. If she I can, I can see that too. She's she's a little grungy though. You Absolutely. Know, and that's you know, what I like. That that's what I like. Yeah, a little, yeah. little grit. Yeah. A little, grit a little, little grind. I like that too. Yeah. See, and that's why when I say Taylor Swift to be in the next kind of dolly trajectory it's because she's so shiny and, and clean she and all is. that yeah she is miley's not afraid to tell you about her not at all drug addiction not at all <laughs> you know? not at all or maybe like shake a little ass you know yeah. miley will do it you know <laughs> miley will do it yeah. she's not afraid yeah you like it here you like that you so you came to the university mm-hmm. and stayed which is like not a lot of people do like almost all of my friends moved Really? Yeah. After they came? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're but you're glad you stayed? Absolutely. And I was in a I was in a space where I was like, I needed to decompress mm. from being in school for just so long and also just figure out what am I doing with my life? Like who am I actually like what do I want? And I like those are questions that I'm still asking and then I think like in a in a way we always ask that, you know, as as life continues and like we, we get older. Um, but Knoxville was a great place to do that and, and to have the, like the space and the community to to figure figure stuff out. Yeah, it's a good place to figure shit out because nobody's judging you. It's easy to survive. It's not like you're in New York or L.A. Absolutely. where you just just cost clawing. of living is not too not too high either. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation after college coming to the university um, and being able to hang out for for you know, a little, little bit and kind of sort it out. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not urged to get to it and find another place to, to be. It's, it's a comfortable place to kind of hang out, figure shit out, get that, Absolutely. get that whole thing together, which I don't think is bad. I think it, it ultimately helps nurture our art scene because people very much in your situation get done with school they've had this beast of mm-hmm. of music or whatever eating at them for years and years and then they're finally at a place where they don't have you know all these obligations yeah. yeah and they can sit there and let it roll and they have an outlet and and there's as much as you want you want to take your outlet out there and and get after it you want to go play the pilot light? cool absolutely you, you know what i mean absolutely it's just this there, there's this platform for people to let it let it eat. Let the big dog eat. <laughs> no, and like even like shout out to Jason Boardman and like the Pilot Light crew because that's kind of like what they stand for is like for those folks who who don't have another stage to go to, mm. you know, or can't get booked or won't be asked to play bigger, bigger spaces. Like yeah. Pilot Light's like Pilot Light and Birdhouse are one of the only places like really DIY, really indie, really punk mm. artists can play, you know, or, or will be welcomed <laughs> to, yeah. yeah, to play. Not laughed out of there. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to be a touring Act to go do it, but then you go to the pilot light and you see an artist there who, in two years, is Sturgill Simpson, absolutely, or Margot Price, both of which played the pilot light, you know, absolutely, <laughs> a year before they absolutely. won Grammys. It's kind of it's kind of outrageous. 
It is. This is a special place. Knoxville, Knoxville is a special place. Yeah. I agree. What's like? What's your favorite parts, or what's uh, what's kept you here? Yeah. Um, what's kept me here is family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents live here. My wife's family lives here. Um, I'd be happy living anywhere in the country. I could do it. I could live in California. I could live in New York. I'd live anywhere. I'd love it. Probably work too. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the family part has been what's what's kept me here. But then also outside of that, it's just not hard to enjoy yourself here you know precisely it's not, yeah, you don't I have agree. to look that far <laughs> to find something awesome to mm-hmm. to do and you know i like to spend time outdoors or in public at restaurants and bars and public concerts or whatever you know it's got everything you need it's just it's, it's not a hard place to live it's just easy it gives me everything i need i agree and then my family lives here too so that's all just so win-win yeah yeah can't can't mess with it. Do you miss your family? Um, being here, being kind of siloed or on your own. So, like, and I watch it like Tom Petty's like four hour long documentary, um, mm. and like there are a lot of hidden gems in there. But there were like there was one segment where he was talking about like growing up estranged from your parents. You, you kind of just have like a certain detachment from things. Yeah, and like I definitely feel that. So like I'm used to self-soothing or like you know just like being a self-sufficient yeah like having having to carry your own bucket of rocks you're having yeah. to make your make yourself yeah feel so all right i like i love my family but i think I've, I've definitely been by my circumstances just an independent person and it's a yeah. person who can like you know be very self-motivated and like self-sufficient so i mean i i wouldn't I love my family you know but i i yeah. definitely enjoy independence and i definitely enjoy having a space to like you know, to still myself and also to like question things and to have the space to figure, like to answer those questions to myself and not have them thrown at me, which doesn't sometimes, you know, family will answer the questions for you before you can even, you know, yeah. find, find your own, what find about your own your way. Aunt? So, um, my aunt, like I said, she's a, she's a, she's, she's a like baby mom, boomer. Right? So, you know, she has her own thoughts about the world and, and, and how it works. Um, but I, I will say, and I don't know if you have a similar experience, but I feel like once you move out from living with your parents for so long, you kind of come to know how to interact with them or how to like maneuver along with them. So I feel like now we're, we're like the closest um, that we've been. Really? Yeah. So it's like post grad since like I moved mom away. Growing up, absolutely. So you, is there anybody you're closer to than her? My my dad. So like and I, so like I said, I, I had a like a strange relationship. So I was basically raised by my aunt and my grandfather. My parents were like strung out on drugs, you know, in and out of jail. And that's how I came to live with my mom. Like I was I was in like DCS. But you said your mom. Yeah. So I so until I was until I was like no, like my actual oh, okay. my actual mother. I lived with her till I was like three. And then just some things happened and like, you know, I was placed in DCS custody and my aunt worked for um, DHS, like Department of Human Services. Yeah. And she just, someone was like, hey, I think your niece is in, you know, the system. And she didn't yeah. even know she had a niece, you know. Really? But yeah, I don't think she knew that wow. that, that my dad had a child. Gotcha. Um, 
And so it just, I mean, it it was a blessing, definitely a blessing, because I know a lot of people in my situation, you know, you're placed in another home, you're not with your family. And I I definitely feel like I had a, a good opportunity to not only have be placed with my family, but also to have access to my mom, access to my dad. Yeah, that's huge. Um, you know, so so they were there, and uh, my grandfather was actually like my best friend in this world. Really, my best friend in this world. He was. Uh, I'm I'm a Leo. He's also a Leo. So I like we just <laughs> we just clicked. He he's literally the best person like I've ever met in my whole entire life. I try to model my life, my outlook after him. He passed away when I was eight. And that was very like that was so rough on me. Um, but it was like around that time my dad kind of straightened up his life. Really? Yeah, he was he was in. homeless. Yeah, like my I remember like going to Nashville, looking under underpasses, like you know, trying to find For you know, real? yeah, trying to find my dad. But he's turned his life around, complete complete three sixty. Um, and so like he's probably like my one of my best friends right now. Your dad yeah. is. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, and and a huge soul soul music fan. He's a huge jazz head. So I think all my music taste, um, all of my knowledge, it, it comes from him. So. so your dad got his shit together. Your dad got his shit together. All about his daughter now. Absolutely, I mean, you guys are buddies. Absolutely, we go biking. You know, biking on the weekends. Hell yeah. We go riding like flea markets, flea markets and thrift stores. I grew up. On both of those things, really. So we, we we used to go like ride to Nashville, go to the to the flea market, Nashville flea market, go to the thrift stores, go to some pawn shops, get some ice cream, and that was like our our father daughter thing. And we still do the same. Like he comes up to to Knoxville um, every now and again. And he's and, got his yeah. he's got his shit together. Got his shit together. Yeah, that's awesome, Ty. Yeah, it is. I'm proud of him. Are you? Yeah, because I mean, addiction is not an easy thing. You know, not a lot of people, you know can do the complete 360. Um, so, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a survivor, especially of his circumstance. And, like, to me, that's why also working with Black Mama's Bailout was a huge thing for me really? because it's like I've, I'm a kind of a product of the system, you know, of or an offset of the system and what the system can do to, to families and, like, displacing displacing families and things. It's interesting, though, that, that, you've, that you've also been able to see, like, the triumphs of, Absolutely. of that work, too. You know, what can happen if it works? Absolutely. And like the power of forgiveness. And I'm not saying like, you know, everyone deserves a part in your life, depending on how they've hurt you or, or, you know, what your relationship is. But uh, not giving up and, you know, being resilient and being open to people who are really willing to change their lives. Mm. uh, It's I mean, that's been huge for me. Do you keep contact with your parents through all that toughness? my mom, yes, she was definitely like in and out of jail. Like, so really, I, I, both of them were. Mom both and of them dad. were my mom more than my dad. Like I said, like you know, when my my grandfather passed away, uh, my dad, like it was just like a, a flip switch. Like he was, you know, like okay, I'm committed, you know, to, really? to doing something right and and to turn things around. Uh, but I, I I remember I used to write letters to my mom in jail. Like that that was a thing. Like that's what I really? that's how we communicated. And to me, that's why I love writing letters now. It's like it's a sacred form of of communication. Um, it's like a, more of an intimate, you know, conversation. Like you know, you have one sheet of paper. How you know? How do you tell your story? How do you get across what you want to say? Um, but I mean, uh, we're we're kind of estranged right now. You but and mom. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we. Uh, I have her number. She has my number. Yeah. Um, Talk if you want to. Precisely. And and you know, growing up. I was like, fuck the world, you know, like, ah, you know, a mild sense of angst was always just like, you know, brewing. And also in Tom Petty's documentary, he talks about that. Like, you know, when you are 
um, you know, estranged from your family, estranged from the people who really birthed you. There is a sense of like you have to prove something. And, I, you know, I, mm. I still find myself feeling that in, in, in a certain sense. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely an independent person. Uh, you know, I've had to be resourceful, you know, and so th- these are things that have helped me along the way. Absolutely. Would, did Tom Petty have the same situation? Not the bit? same, not the same, but he, he definitely like, um, I think he went from like home to home. His parents mm. were like in Foster and out of the care. streets. Yeah. Um, uh, so he, he, he was used to taking care of himself and like raising himself in a sense. And like, I, I feel the same. I feel the same. Like, I mean, that's, I think why my heart also gravitates towards rock and roll. Cause there is an edge, there is a grit. There is like a sense of like, I'm going to let you know how I feel and it's not pleasant, but I, you know, how else can I get myself across besides screaming or, you know, playing this really sad or really, you know, melancholy tune. And there's nothing wrong with me feeling this way. Absolutely not. And you, you do too, you know, and yeah. you can relate, you can relate to, to how I feel. That's pretty dope. You know, it is. I mean, I, I love rock and roll. I love, I love funk. I love music in general. And I mean, that, that helps me cope with things. It helps me escape Helps me heal. Helps me express. You got to keep making it because your shit is awesome. I feel like I do. Yeah. Like Erica Badu says, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. And I, I, I agree. I agree. So to me, it's very easy to make music, but to release it and to share it. That's a whole nother process. A whole nother. Really? Yeah. A whole nother step. Another layer, another layer. It's for not me. the same discipline. It's not the same discipline. Really? Because like to me, it's like. A lot of stuff that I write is like, a, uh, yeah, a way to express and a way to get off of my chest what's on there. And it's like mm. once once I can do that, I'm kind of good. If nobody else hears it, you know. Yeah. But if like you know, I'm I'm able to play it and I'm able to find at least somebody who relates. Like it can be a friend, it can be a bandmate. You know, that's good for me. But I'm I'm realizing too, and even in COVID, sharing your story or sharing your experience, it helps us all cope. It helps us all relate. Um, and and heal and overcome and get to the next the next level, which is another reason why I'm glad I stayed in Knoxville. Because like you know, I've had a lot of people who wanted to make sure you know you had what you needed, you know, during the pandemic. You know, yeah. do you write lyrics? Yes, you do. I write uh, poetry, um, but sometimes just lyrics, like you know, with the intention of making them a song. But right. absolutely, poems. Um, I might like uh, I cannot lie and say I'm I'm a I'm a really good bass player. I'm not. My my bass has collected a good amount of dust, <laughs> and it's crazy because once you get out of the practice of playing, even like my fingers, you know, like they forgot, or it's hard to hold down, you know, or it's harder to hold down strings and play for a long time without feeling the need, like or like my hands cramping up. And the, Absolutely, yeah. but I've I've tried to dust. I've tried to, to dust my bass off during the pandemic and to get back. So sometimes I write lyrics. Sometimes I just get on my bass and like I might do a riff um, or like get on GarageBand and play around. But that's why, you know, I kind of miss just being able to just jam out with other people in a, in a room safely, which I think we're getting to that point where we can do that again. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Yeah. Everybody can. It's to the point where everybody can be vaccinated if they want to, for the most part, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not, it's kind of your choice at that point. It is. Or, or being safe or being like COVID conscious, you know, like mm. that. That's the whole thing. Like masking up if you're around environments that you haven't been in, 
if you're not vaccinated, sometimes if you are. And like, you know, the whole thing, I think we as a population have had to decide how do we govern ourselves? You know, because I don't know if the information that we're getting, you know, is 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 the best. That was a big thing from the beginning and yeah. still kind of is. You know, we we're we're kind of I think we're kind of in a little bit better shape now because it's so ubiquitous. The information is everywhere. Everybody's listening to the information. Everybody is vetting the information. Mm-hmm. So it feels like what we're getting now is a, is is a little a little bit more trustworthy because everybody's listening to it. And so there's a lot more people to call bullshit on it if it's not true. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I feel like we're, we're, we're slowly climbing out. Man. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Yeah, we are yeah. getting somewhere. Yeah. It's going to be a weird thing. I think when we yeah. look back in 50 years. Oh, absolutely. Our lives <laughs> will be forever changed. Like, you know, people were saying like, you know, AC after COVID, BC before COVID. Yeah. I think that's going to, yeah, that's after, that's going to be a thing. So? I think so. Like, um, there so, are grandkids are going to ask us to be like, what was it what like? What was it like? I yeah. think so. Like, yeah, even, like, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you, know. you know, they're going to be asking us. <laughs> I saw like a, a, a tweet that was like, I'm going to tell my grandkids I had to like fight off zombies and like, you know, do all this wild stuff, yeah. which I mean, hey, in a sense, it's kind of and, true. <laughs> it's kind of like a post apocalyptic vibes. Yeah. A little bit. It's definitely an era. It's going to be it's going to be an era that we lived through. Absolutely. No, we did. I went to South America last week and they yeah, are in the throes of another wave. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was kind of crazy because everybody that we went with, all Americans, mm-hmm. all uh, allowed and, you know, could get the vaccine. We all did. Um, and nobody down there has gotten it. And so they're all just on edge. They're where we were at six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird. Because it feels like almost some kind of classist, like class it is. weirdness. Healthcare is. Yes. In, in, in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, maybe over yeah. the world, but yeah. And it made me realize like how fortunate we are to to be able to get it if we want it. Get the vaccine if you want it. If you don't want it, that's cool too. Absolutely. That's fine. But those guys down in Colombia where I was, was mm-hmm. they don't have the option. They can't get it. The rich Colombians are flying to Miami on the weekend it. to get the vaccine and then flying back and then nobody else has it. And so it, it really made me very, you know, grateful to live in a place where we have the freedom to decide how to take care of our own health Absolutely. In, in a way. And and if, if you don't want to, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But we have the, the option. option to do it, which they, mm-hmm. which they don't. And it, it, it almost made me feel bad. Almost, it's almost a first world problem. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. More than anything, I felt guilty of like, fuck, man, we're all we're all here arguing <laughs> over whether or not it's a scam, mm-hmm. you know. And these people Didn't over here option. would die to mm-hmm. to get the, you know, would love to have the option to get the vaccine right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, it was a good little. It was a good perspective yeah, job. I mean, hey, yeah. <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, we're lucky, man. Yeah, this is we're, true. We are kind of lucky. You want to play some music for us? I will. So another BC before COVID venture I was doing was like, um, absolutely with Tim Job, we were still, you know, trying to record an album. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, like I mentioned, like I took bass lessons. I I let a full year absolutely go by without even touching my base. And like, that's crazy how some things can be muscle memory, but some things can also be like, 
I have to relearn this whole thing, like Spanish. You know, if you go a whole year without speaking it, you're definitely going to be rusty. You're definitely going to have to. There's no bicycle to it. No, (laughs) no, no. And like, to me, at least where I'm not, you know, I don't, I can't, I no longer can read sheet music. That's why I wish I also had kept up with like playing clarinet and like bass things, because I definitely, you know, I could, I could read music. I could tell you what, you know, whatever notes were on a scale, but now it's no longer the same case. Um, So I, I have been trying uh, in 2019 and the beginning of 2020 to to get together a solo project of sorts. Um, Definitely with some ESG vibes. Like I mentioned ESG, they were, they were, um, and an all black punk group out of New York in like the eighties. There was like a bassist, yeah. a guitarist, a vocalist, a drummer. And they were just some some dope women um, who were just very raw and, and uncut. So they were huge inspirations. Also, Susie and the Banshees, uh, I love they're like my hidden obsession. Like I love Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> um and just her, like, you know, her her raw grit. So I had um, in 2019 done a show at Goat Gallery, which, that? which was a really cool DIY space um, in like North North Knoxville area. Um, shout out to Chrissy um, who who owned the space and like we you know would would book artists. Um, and so I, I played a show there in 2019. One of the craziest shows I've ever been to. Like somebody called on fire. A person, a person caught on fire, caught on fire, like not like the building. You know, or I see you're doing a great job. You have a candle that's not an actual like. Yeah, it's like an LED. Yeah, it's, it's an deal. LED candle, but they had like uh. candles, you know, like and that's hey, folks at home, <laughs> if you're doing a live show, a live <laughs> music show, do not have real candles out where people can you know bump into them. If you do have them, have them in a safe space. But basically, a guy had like backed into the candle and but here's the thing about punk and, and and about like rock and roll shows it might be a gimmick you know it might be the way somebody enters the stage so there was a point in time where everybody in the room was like oh my gosh like he's on fire like ah. do you and know then, about colonel bruce hampton no i'm sorry to interrupt you but do you know about this guy <laughs> i do not okay colonel bruce hampton was a, a musician athens georgia kind of mm-hmm. guy and he was always just this kind of like almost a merry prankster kind of individual. And they were throwing a birthday party for him uh, in, I think it was Athens. I think it was at the Georgia Theater. I could be wrong about that. It was, I think, his 70th birthday, maybe his 80th birthday. I forget what it was. But he had a fucking heart attack on stage. Oh, literal. And everybody thought it was a- he was goofing. And he died. On stage at his birthday party. Yes. It's the same thing you're talking about. Oh, no. Because it's like, you know. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is just part of the gag. You know, next thing you know. And you're like, should we get help? No, he's it's part of the thing, right? You don't want to mess it up. Yes, exactly. Same thing, same thing. So basically, the back of his shirt is like in flames. You know, everyone's like, oh. But then at one point, somebody's like yelling, get on the floor, get on the floor. But... The thing is, the guy who's on fire, he doesn't know he's like, he doesn't know, like, he's unaware of the fact, like, the back of his shirt is, like, engulfed in flames. Mm. And people are, like, throwing stuff at him, like, to try to bat it. But, like, when they say stop, drop, and roll. That's the best way to get that. Out is of that is literally there. You can't beat it out. You can't spray water. Like, stop, drop, and roll to put out a flame, folks, just so you know. 
But basically, people were trying to, like, you know, beat his back. And finally, he does get to the ground. And when he stands up, there's, like, you know, the back. He had on, like, a flannel. And, like, the back of his shirt is just missing. And somebody goes to, like, brush him off. And when they pull their hands back, like, skin, like, you just see stuff. It was, no, it was, it was literally, like, but you, if you see his composure, he was so normal, so chill about it. I and like at first, it. at first he was like, yeah, let me just get another, like, you know, give me, give me another, like, <laughs> drink. Like, yeah, let's get this an expanse. Finally, somebody's like, no, dude, Bro, you-, you need to go home. <laughs> and his, uh, okay, so his name is Waylon. Waylon, shout out to you. I believe Waylon moved to Texas. But Waylon had to get a skin graft mm. after I that. Yeah. He didn't even yeah. feel it. He didn't even feel it. What but I will say this. Tim Job, in one of our practices slash jam sessions, we were just getting it. And, you know, we do have a song, I'm on Fire. And, like, you know, I would dedicate that song to Waylon. Every time? Every time. And one time, he was in the crowd. And I didn't even know. Like, I never knew what happened to him until that night. Waylon was, like, in the crowd. He and, was and back? He was back. With and he was, like, with the skin graft. He was, like, dude, that was me. That was mean. I was just like, oh, my gosh. For one, thank you for coming to the show. For two, I'm so glad you're alive and you're healthy and, like, you know, you bounce back. But the song, one of the songs I'll play for you, um, I came that night to do some hip-hop and to do some, some like, 80s house, mm. you know, Chicago house Ooh. type deal. Um, the sound was not on par. So, you know, Sam, shout out to you. You know, you got the sound on lock here. But, like, the sound was not working, you know. So... You couldn't really hear my music. It was just like me vibing over a non-existent track. Mm. Um, but at the end of the night, after Waylon went home, you know, after all this ex- all this excitement, there was like just a jam going on. And so I didn't know anyone w- was recording, you know, but this this is, this is a recording was? from the night. Yeah, from the night. Um, so this is just a little, a little vibe here. Um, and so after that night, like it was such... Uh, a genuine and an organic type of jam. You know, we we did like four songs. Um, stay tuned, stay tuned, folks, because you know I've been trying to think <laughs> about either reviving this project or maybe just releasing these on Bandcamp. Was this, was this a temp job thing? No, no, no. This was just, just me. You? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like you know, when I do music, I usually go by DJ Tie Dye um, or just Tie Dye. Um, you know. Get the tie, you know. I was trying to, I was trying to think of a little catchy, you know, a little, yeah. a little catchy thing. Um, so here's one of the songs from Goat Gallery again. This is the night that Waylon caught on fire. It was a magical night. Um, you gonna play something for us? I'm gonna play. I I'm gonna it. play like two things. I'm gonna nice. play like two things for you. Time. Um, yes. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having this me. Is awesome. You know, you know, we had a rocky start there. Did but we? hey. Oh, was I not supposed to say that? Like, oh, oh, you're talking yeah. about the hour you got here when I was asleep. <laughs> maybe, maybe I might be alluding. I might be alluding to that. Uh, okay, so here we go. Let's do it.
Where was this? Goat Gallery. Goat Gallery. So there's David. David's on the drums. Uh, we got Carter on the guitar. Where's Goat Gallery, though? Nor- you said North Knox. It was, it's, it was off of Old Broadway. Off of Old Broadway. Do you know or have you ever seen the um, Birds Birds of a Feather place? Like the, the sold parakeets and stuff? No. Okay. It was, it was right there. So basically, that was us just like jamming out. It was so like just organic. So after that, after that night, we all exchanged contact info and we were like, hey, let's get back together. Let's try to, you know, see if something happens. So basically with that group, we did have like one more session. And like that's just the magic of music and like the magic of just jam sessions. Sometimes, sometimes like, you know, you you capture that moment and then sometimes just like, ah, you know, you can't force it. Or sometimes you can. You can tell, you know, when, when it's forced or some people like that sound. I'm not one. So we did try to get together, um, but everyone's schedules, you know, were just kind of like out of whack. But I did keep in contact with the drummer, whose name is David. He's also a part of a jazz punk band called um, Good Vibes Only, which is one of my favorite Knoxville <laughs> hidden gems. Like they're so good, and you wouldn't think of jazz and punk together, but they're like they're amazing. Um, their front man Colin is just like he's he's an amazing front man, uh, and and he he knows how to put on a show. Um, so I did get together with him and I, I rallied up my, my pal, Matt, who plays guitar. And he he just moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So he's still doing music. He's in a band called um, Blue Willow, which are doing some 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 cool shit right now. But I did get together with him. And, and, and like this was 2019, beginning of 2020. I was just playing around with my bass. And so I sent them um, this tune. And then after I sent them this tune, we met up and we met er, and, and we made the second half of the song that I'll play. So I was just like on, on my bass, just messing around. Was that you playing the bass right there? This is okay. So this is the first edition. It's just very punky. I just learned how to play with a pick. You I know, like punky. I'm used to playing with my fingers. So I sent them that and I was like, you know, I want to make this just like, you know, a lot of a lot of rock and roll atmosphere, a lot of like fucking energy. And so the next song I played is like what we were doing at the beginning of 2020, like January 2020, we had uh, recorded this. And this is me on bass, yeah. Uh, we got David on drums and Matt on guitar. rock shit right there I didn't take you for a punk rocker (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) 
that's the kind of shit I was trying to do. And then Corona came by and she was like, I know you have plans. I know you planned this pretty picnic, but you did not predict the weather. So, you know, I'm I'm in that state now where I think, you know, it's it's, you know, mildly safe, you know, to be crammed in a room, you know, with like three other people. So it's I'm getting there. We're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. So, it's you know, there. I'm looking to to, you know, because like, you know, I played you the original just like me fucking around on, on, on the bass mm. version of that. Uh, yes. I've, I have like, you know, lots of voice recordings in my phone of just, you know, stuff like that. So I'm in the space now where I'm trying to go through it and pick out the good stuff. Um, so, it, I mean, it's my goal. You're within, iterating. I'm iterating. <laughs> yeah. So it's my goal within, you know, like maybe fall time this year, like next year to like kind of corral some folks back together because um, David's like he's being, you know, he's been working like crazy. Um, and Matt moved to Murfreesboro. Um, so I'll be I'll be in the market to, yeah. to, to get back a band, you know, um, and like like. That's my that's kind of my thing. So I came from like the hip hop world. Um, when I was at UT, there was a group on campus called Study Break Ciphers, which I was a part of and also on the like advisory committee of. And so basically we were like a hip hop, like hip hop heads. We would get together. We would have workshops on how to build beats, on how to perform live. And we would also have ciphers like every Thursday outside of Wait, Hodges. What's a cipher? A cipher. It's like a hip hop showdown. You know, it's like a, a battle back and forth between MCs, uh, b- between artists, um, and like you know, you would have rounds like a, like a, like a boxing match, yeah. you know, and you would go head to head, and you know, there can only be one winner at the at the end of the night. <laughs> what, um, one man, one left man, standing. right, yeah. right, literally one man left standing. So we would do that every Thursday, and it was just, I mean, a fun opportunity. We would always have a crowd that would come out, you know, from studying, you know, or just people that are just walking by and just wander yeah. upon. But we're doing so, you know, I'm I'm so used to that world, and like, you know, there's definitely an art with hip hop, you know, mm. and and MCs that can just get on the stage and it's just them and a beat. And, and can still control the crowd and keep mm. the crowd engaged. Like, that's an art form. Um, and and I definitely, I'm birthed out of that. But I also love just the feeling of being on stage with, like, a band or, or just having people there to collaborate and to just make this whole, mod, like, mod podge of, like, atmosphere and music and noise, which is what I love. So, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to is, like, going to more live shows, also playing more live shows, getting a band back together Writing more. We got to get you on stage more you often. Do. Yes. You got to. You How got do we to. do it, Ty? What do we do? What uh, do we got to do? Uh, I, I need to find uh, a guitarist and a drummer. There you go. <laughs> you know, that, that has the, the time and the schedule just to fuck around and play around. Um, and, you know, who's down to experiment. And that's kind of what I'm about with music and, and stuff. And I well, need I to start like- playing the bass more, you know, so I can get my chops up. You yeah. know, I can know what I'm doing. Have yeah. you seen Krung Ben? They're one of my favorites. Like they're on my like to see list. Like, and really? I saw that they they're playing um Pitchfork, I believe, twenty twenty one. And I was just like, Oh, should I get tickets? Should I go? Like I love Krung Ben. Have you ever have you seen a trio make that much noise? I haven't in your life, since I rush and and, <laughs> and their basis like, is a woman so like yeah. i mean and she i mean she's like in her pocket like mm. I, i've watched their live shows on like youtube and stuff she's inspirational yeah absolutely and and also like tina i think her last name was like way smith from like um uh the talking heads um and 
Tom Tom Club. Yeah. Like she's also inspirational, like playing the bass too. Yeah. She didn't take no shit. She didn't take no shit. She didn't take no shit. Not at all. And um, the band uh, Taste of Honey, you know, their their bass is like a badass, like inspirational, inspirational for me to get my shit together. So (laughs) I got, (laughs) I got, I got to get myself together. I think you could do a trio. You, you think? Know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think you could be the you could be the 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 front woman hey. of a good trio. Hey, I'm open. I'm, I'm I'm I mean, like I said, like I'm a Leo, you know. So like you know, being in on on stage or or like you know performing and like even when I did theater, like that's I'm not gonna say it comes natural, but like I I feel very natural while doing it. You but feel also, all right in the spotlight. I feel all right in the. Hey, I'm gonna have to write that one down. I I I do. Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean, I just, I love music, even outside of playing it, you know, like just listening to music. I love it. Like, that's that's a pastime. That's a hobby for me, finding new music, listening to new music. I feel like you were built to do it. I mean, you've kind of made your life about it. At this point. I mean, not even just playing it, but being a part of the back end of it, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, and, And, and for me, that's what kept me so happy is like, you know, even if I wasn't playing it. You know, just working in it. Like, I absolutely adore and am fascinated by the world of entertainment and especially by the world of music. I love being around artsy people, musicians, creatives in, in general. Like, I think I thrive off of that and, and I give back as much as I take. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm so ready to to not. And I know we're not going to be back to normal. Like, we're, we're going to be in like a shifted, you know, sense of 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 living after this. But um, I am ready to definitely like do like a, a crowd dive back into you know in, into music and, and live music like and that's why I live on Knoxville like you know we don't we might not get like everybody that comes through here like in terms of touring or we might get them on a Tuesday or Wednesday they're precisely, playing at, Atlanta on Friday and precisely on precisely precisely <laughs> and that's why you know I've seen so many good shows and like shout out to again Benny and WTK I've seen so many shows. Benny for Smith, free, boy. yeah, or or as a perk from working at the radio station, you know, um, and and they give so many, like there's so many giveaways, and of course, COVID has halted the amount of stuff that we're able to to give away or live music in general. But keep tuned, folks, keep tuned. I know that they're doing a Bonner or a bust. When's your show? Sunday, six to eight. Okay, on ninety point three, The Rock. Yeah, if you're into funk, if you're into soul, if you're into feel good music, everybody's into funk. <laughs> I mean, how can you not be? To yeah. me, I mean, yeah, come on. It's 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 it. a way of life. Yeah. Yeah. Ty, I'm so glad we did this. Thank Same. you for coming here. Same. Thank you for having me. I'm glad me. to Thank you sit, for sit across from you for a minute. Precisely. I mean, I think, you know, I met you through Production World, which is yeah. entirely new to me. And I, I'm, I'm very thankful to have been, like, kind of thrown in the midst. Because, like, Production World is cool. It really is. You didn't miss a beat, man. <laughs> You're ready to roll right away. I hope so. I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. Let's do this again sometime. Same. You want to? Absolutely. Love maybe, seeing Maybe you. when I get my get my, my band together. <laughs> Back together. Back together. <laughs> or absolutely Tim Job, you know, if we can, you know, corral. If we can herd all the cats together. It's a hard thing to yeah, do. but it is. It is. I think you got one. It's not it, impossible. No. It's no. not. Thank you. Thank you. So much, Ty. You're welcome. Let's listen to some more of your music. Some more music? Yeah. Okay. 
So this 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 next one is probably one of the first songs that I played, and also one of the first songs I played playing bass. Um, I don't, you know, uh, shout out to Henry Pack, um, who played drums and guitar, and also who mixed and mastered this. Uh, it's called "Free Your Mind." This is an oldie but a goodie. say Rage Against the Machine it's like Blondie and Rage Against the Machine absolutely absolutely and like Rage Against the Machine was also like inspirational for Outkast and even like Andre 3000 when they did Bombs Over Baghdad yeah that was like Rage Against the Machine like influenced as well as well I mean I don't have your Wi-Fi but if I get your Wi-Fi, I can also do a little something live. Yeah. Yeah. Jellyfish <laughs> is the password. Okay. The We're searching for networks here. Okay. I don't see any other networks, but I do have I do have a song saved on here. Um, okay, so I I alluded to Study Break Cipher, which is a really cool organization at um, at UT. Um, and and like literally, Study Break Cipher stood there um, to be a safe space for people who are interested in hip hop, but also music um, in general. Um, and so it was basically a place where um, you know, folks would get together. They would they would make beats. Um, <laughs> they would get together and, and perform. So like, I'm definitely a graduate of the school of of Study Break. Um, so shout out to Study Break. Shout out to Clint. Shout out to to Dan. They were kind of like the forefathers of Study Break. Um, and this um, this next song is like influenced by Diggable Planets. Um, which is one of my favorite like hip hop hip hop groups. Um, they're from New York. Uh, this is instrumental. Can I play instrumentals? Like, is that a is that a podcast thing? You know, like. Do it. Okay, cool. Um, Do whatever you want. Okay. Oh, thank you, thank you. Can't mess up here. <laughs> well, I think I beg to differ, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad you are so welcoming and, and willing. Um, so I'm going to do a little a little cover um, with an original poem that turned into 
um, a hip hop track. This is a classic Pacifics. Feeling how I'm feeling, I'm chilling. 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 What do you see when you look at me? The aura of my soul, sacred femininity. Divine energy, I represent the him in me. A native to the sky, I manifest my destiny. Why these folk keep stressing me? They can't get the best of me, cause I got the recipe. The universe keep blessing me. I'll illuminate your soul and use my light and superpower. An electric butterfly with the bees and the flowers. My life, my life, be like, be like this. I'm living in a realm where enlightenment is bliss. I got them solar vibrations in the spiritual abyss. They call it melanin, I just call it sun-kissed. Blazing, so amazing, grass grazing, I ain't craving. What they praising with no debating God is of the sun, I'm burning 3,000 degrees No worry about a thing, happiness is what I sing Feel how I feel when I feel what I'm feeling I'm chilling Feel how I feel when I feel what I'm feeling I'm chilling I'm chilling I'm chilling I'm chilling I'm chilling What do you see? When you look at me, the aura of my soul, sacred femininity, divine energy, I represent the him in me. A native to the sky, I manifest my destiny. Why these folk keep stressing me? They can't get the best of me, cause I got the recipe, the universe keep blessing me. I'll illuminate your soul and use my light as superpower. An electric butterfly with the bees and the flowers. My life, my life, be like, be like this. My life, my life, be like, be like this. My life, my life, be like, be like this. Get high, butterfly wings, I fly across the seat just to see a little bit. Cause I'm getting to the honey, dipping in the money, trying to live my life where it's always sunny. Feeling how I'm feeling, I'm chilling. Feeling how I'm feeling, I'm chilling. Get high, butterfly wings, I fly across the seat just to see a little bit. Cause I'm getting to the honey, dipping in the money, trying to live my life where it's always sunny. Feeling how I'm feeling, I'm chilling. Feeling how I'm feeling, I'm chilling. you south of scruffy thank you thank you all all right thank you guys for being here thanks for listening give us a follow on instagram at south of scruffy hit the subscribe button on your podcasting app whatever you're using apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher whatever you're doing hit subscribe you can leave us a review that's always helpful too five star reviews go a long way and otherwise just take care of each other take care of yourselves let's go let's do it let's get out of here cicada brood x the low hum of cicada brood x 
pitch wire. Play me out.